Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. Today we're going to do a short video, and we're going to talk about a verse that we've been talking about for years and that I've written about in, I think, both of the books um, that I currently have out. It was just brought up yesterday in our psalm teaching where David uh, talks about how, where he literally says, depart from me, you who work lawlessness, um, in Psalm 119. It was brought up last week when we read Matthew chapter 7 in our Gospel According to Matthew study, and we're going to bring it up again today. Now, the reason I'm going to cover it again today is because I felt like the Lord was making it known to me that while I focus in on probably like three important points when dealing with this scripture, I ignore the fourth point often, or don't teach it, not purposely ignore it, but don't really bring it to light, um, when that point is just as important as all the others, and maybe in some aspects more important. The reason why I hammer on the first three points that I make, and I always hammer on those, is because I believe those are the points in which the church ignores and which many people ignore. And so, today I just want to kind of hammer on on everything and make sure we have a clear understanding of that. And then we've got a little bit of commentary from Matthew Henry to read, and that'll be our video for today. So, let's start with the points that I typically hammer on. Number one, I'm talk, I talk about action of the believer. Not everyone that saith... Unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's number one. Number two, we're dealing with people who at the very least think of themselves as believers. I've told the story, I think, in my other book, not the one I just showed you, uh, Faith, Obedience, and the End of Time. I believe I tell the story in that book. If not, I'll tell it to you right now. In short, I used to go to a basketball group with a men's basketball group on two days a week. I did that for years and years and years. And we would do a devotional. Somebody would be in charge of the devotional. And I did the devo- I did a devotional on this passage. And everybody's eyes glazed over, as you can imagine. And immediately everybody's like, oh, well, that's talking about non-believers. That's talking about atheists. That's Even there was a pastor there that was like, oh, that's just talking about people who don't really believe in Christ. There may be some truth to that, but that's, that's not really, I think, necessarily true. I think it's dealing with people who at the very least think of themselves as Christians. We'll get to that in a minute. And so I feel like people will read this and they'll just glaze over it which I think is dangerous. The Apostle Paul tells us to examine ourselves daily and make sure that we're in the faith. Do not be afraid to look at the Bible as a mirror 
and ask yourself, could I be what's being warned about here? I don't believe that Jesus is talking about atheists. He's talking about people who at the very least think of themselves as Christian. And then the third point that I always focus in on, and I've always felt like this was the most important, is he says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. So again, the point I bring up is typically that Jesus is saying, I never knew you, meaning we never had an intimate relationship. Why are you calling me Lord? I don't know you. Same word when Mary sees the angel and the angel says you're going to have the Christ child. And she says, how is it possible? I've never known a man. We're talking about intimacy here. Close relationship. So let's get to the fourth point, the point that I fail often at making obvious because I think it's obvious, but it's extremely important. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? Notice they think that they will be entering into the kingdom of heaven because of their own merit. How could we not be going in? Look what we've done. We, we've we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We've done many works in your name. But that's not what gets you into the kingdom of heaven. The works are things we do because we are saved and we love Christ. We are not doing these works to earn some type of merit or, or, or save ourselves from our sins through our works. It's through grace only. It's through that intimate relationship with Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. It's because of His righteousness that I can enter into the kingdom of heaven, not my own. Now, the reason I harp on the other ones is because we have greasy gracers who take it too far and think that they can send their little hearts out. When you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You have to confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he, But he is where your righteousness comes from. Any ability that you have to even walk in faith, walk in righteousness, walk in holiness, is given to you by God because left to yourself, you are unable. That's the beauty of it. He saved us from the bondage of sin. Before, you had no choice now you have the ability to resist and wrestle and fight against sin and the desire which you wouldn't have had previously. 
these people that are going to stand before God one day think that they can come to him with their laundry list of things that they've done and somehow that's going to get them into the kingdom of heaven. Missing the most important part, I never knew you. We weren't in relationship. You wanted to be judged by your works instead of by the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, that is what you'll be judged by. Many fall in this trap, especially those who uh, love the... I mean, listen, I teach the Torah portions, and we teach the Hebrew language, and we do all these things, and we refer to old Hebrew phrases, and we love the Torah and those things. But many people in those camps fall into the works trap thinking that they're somehow earning merit. You have to understand your salvation and everything that you've got in your life is because of God. Your faith in Christ and his death and resurrection as an atonement for your sins is the only thing getting you in. It's his righteousness, not yours. That's not to say you don't walk in righteousness and holiness. This is why I always have to keep going back because it's like, as human beings, we're just so weak and we'll focus in on one thing. Okay, so it's Christ's righteousness, so I'm not going to worry about my behavior anymore. Or it'll be on the other side. I've got to really worry about my behavior or God's going to be mad at me and I'm not going to... It's... The balance is, yes, because of Christ's righteousness and because what he did on the cross and my faith in that, I no longer have to fear about my eternal destination and my life or anything because I belong to God and my life is in his hands and his sovereign will will be done. So there's that great news. But on the other side, I love Christ, because he died for me and because all that he's done for me and all that God has provided for me and given to me. So as as a demonstration of my loyalty to God, I want to walk in righteousness and holiness and in his ways and live for him. I believe that's the correct balance. I feel like I'm starting to Jibber jabber. So I'm just going to read you the commentary from Matthew Matthew Henry, or at least a chunk of commentary from him about this section, about these verses that we just discussed, and then we'll wrap it up. First, dealing with doing the will of God. Here's what he says about the part where Jesus says, those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says this, Matthew Henry, now this is his will, that we believe in Christ, that we repent of sin, that we live a holy life, and that we love one another. This is his will, even our sanctification. If we comply not with the will of God, we mock Christ in calling him Lord. As those did who put on a gorgeous robe and said, hey, O king of the Jews, saying and doing are two things often parted in conversation of men. He that said, I go, sir, stirred never a step. 
But these two things God has joined in his command, and let no man that puts them asunder think to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now he's going to deal with those who say, Lord, haven't we done this and haven't we done that? Yes, several points here. I'll try to make them quick. The hypocrite's plea against the strictness of this law offer other things in lieu of obedience. The plea is supposed to be in that day, that great day, when every man shall appear in his own collars, when the secrets of all hearts shall be manifest, and among the rest the secret penance which sinners now support their vain hopes. Christ knows the strength of their cause, and it is but weakness, what they now harbor in their bosoms. They will then produce an arrest of judgment to stay the doom, but it will be in vain. They put in their plea with great importunity, Lord, Lord, and with great confidence appealing to Christ concerning it, Lord, does thou not know? Number one, that we have prophesied in thy name. Yes, it may be so. Balaam and Caiaphas were overruled to prophesy. And Saul was against his will among the prophets, yet that did not save them. These prophesied in his name, but he did not send them. They only made use of his name to serve a turn. Note, a man may be a preacher. Listen, this is, this is terrifying, but true. A man may be a preacher, may have gifts for ministry external call to it, and perhaps some success in it, and yet be a wicked man. May help others to heaven, and yet come short himself. Lord, have mercy on me. Next part. In thy name we have cast out devils. That may be too. Judas cast out devils, and yet was the son of perdition. Origen says that in his name so prevalent was the name of Christ to cast out devils that sometimes it availed when men by wicked Christians. A man might cast out devils of others and yet have a devil. Nay, be a devil himself. Oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us all. Last point. In thy name we have done many wonderful works. There may be a faith of miracles where there is no justifying faith. None of that faith which works by love and obedience. Gifts of the tongues and healings would be recommended men to the world, but it is real holiness or sanctification that is accepted by God. Grace and love are more excellent than removing mountains or speaking with tongues of men and of angels. Grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. Let me read that last part. Grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. So there you have it. I hope that I've given the complete picture in today's video where I've failed so many times in the past to really hit on that fourth point. I pray you're being blessed by the work that I'm doing here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.
paz.